2: for Canadian football fans as Canada has been eliminated from the Women's World Cup. This is Kicked Back presented by Betway. Julia and Caroline here with you. And man, Julia, did we have high hopes for Canada. I feel like a lot of Canadians did nationwide around the world that support this women's program. And... I'd say a little bit of an upset, them finishing third in the group of death, a.k.a. Group B, a 4-0 loss today to a co-host nation, Australia. What are your thoughts on the scoreline? Were you shocked to see Canada lose this game 4-0? Oh, man,
0: you're so right, Caroline. It is a heartbreaking moment, not just for these Canadian players on the pitch, but like you mentioned, fans watching worldwide. I know Sophie Schmidt, after the game, she was saying she thought the team let their fans down all across the country. And it's just so tough to hear that. But as for the scoreline, I was certainly shocked with a 4-0 result. I did not think that it was going to be that much of a I'm not going to say the word blowout but like four goals is quite a lot I thought it would be a lot closer I thought Canada would have come out with a little bit more energy and unfortunately they did not albeit Australia on home soil huge moment for them their fans probably acted as the 12th man out there But I know this Canadian team will be very disappointed with themselves and we all thought they were going to make a deeper run. But let's hope they can regroup for the Paris Olympics next year and I think we'll just have to see how they respond.
2: Yeah, you know, it's unfortunate because I even think that scoreline could have been 6-0 and that hurts me to say because as a former player in the program and someone who's been to a Junior World Cup and someone who's born in Canada, I root for this team with my whole heart and soul. Today waking up at 3.30 in the morning, it didn't even bother me. I'm like, you know what? I felt like my team was playing (laughs) and I'm so proud regardless of the scoreline. I'm proud of these ladies. I'm proud of of what they achieve every single time they go Mm -hmm. onto the pitch, but today unfortunately Unfortunately, just the way you have to say it is it wasn't their best day. Uh, Again, I think the scoreline could have been 6-0. I think that the Fowler goal that was called back for it being offside was a bad decision. I think that goal should have counted. Fowler then hit the post, you know, later on in the game. This game could have been even at a higher score. And I'm just disappointed in the sense that Canada has so much talent. They have so much to offer in this sport that I think that performance didn't reflect that at all. And it's their first, you know, World Cup group stage exit since 2011. So you, you feel in the sense maybe they took a couple of steps backwards, but I'm not worried too much long-term. I think that they need to regroup. I think Bev Priestman has some things she needs to work out because in September they have some important qualifying matches where they're going to really need to reorganize and figure out the identity of this team. But for this match today, I think completely outplayed, completely out-hustled. It just wasn't the same team that I'm usually used to seeing. So, And these Mm -hmm. things happen. It's just unfortunate that it happened in such an important game and at the World Cup for Canada.
0: Exactly. And I mean, Priestman, after the match and her post match presser, I was watching that and she was saying, unfortunately, obviously it sucks how they bowed out of this tournament, but that's a game of football. This is exactly what happens. And it, Matters how you respond and come back to it. Albeit, like you said, very, very proud of this Canadian team. They've been going through a lot, both on and off the pitch. And I've been trying to sort of unpack what happened this game for the Canadians. You know, was it just Australia coming out with so much fire and this just general feeling of being outplayed? Or was there something else happening? And I think something that's really important to note is just between their second and third group stage games. Canada reached a semi agreement with their federation now it wasn't what they were looking for at all so of course that's really frustrating and i've seen on social today a lot of people are sort of saying that hey canada soccer this team needs more training more resources this is totally mentally draining them and i think canada they looked a little bit a little bit drained out there so you can't help but wonder Is it anything to do with this background issue that's constantly being going on or is it something within the team or just a bad day? Who knows? But I would just love to see these girls pick themselves up and be proud for what they've accomplished, because I know so many young women and men, too, are watching across this country and so many people are behind them.
2: Yeah, you and I, you know, you and I both we we hope that they pick themselves up and you can't be too hard on yourselves. Uh, I I was speaking with Andy Patrill this morning on CBC Sports and I said, you see this in men's football, you see this in women's football. Some of the best teams in the world don't get out of the group stage. Now, do they have a lot of work to to kind of assess what happened afterwards? Absolutely. Does Canada have a lot of time to kind of figure things out? Not really. But sometimes these little wake-up calls need to happen. And, you know, that's what I think happened to Canada here today. Australia on the flip side, because I have to give Australia a lot of love. This was their biggest World Cup win in their country history for the women's side. Uh, You know, they they have never topped a group in Women's World Cup history, so they've now done that. Mm -hmm. You would think going into this match, Canada had destiny in their hands and they just weren't able to figure it out after the 90 minutes, but Australia on the flip just how dangerous they were, how they passed the ball, how they exposed Canada on the flanks, how they took advantage of, you know, unmarked players or players that weren't pressed quickly enough to. It just, they overall from start to finish, I think controlled that entire game. And Canada was playing catch up, unfortunately, from a Canadian perspective. But, you know, you got Haley Rasso, who scores within the first 10 minutes of the game. Uh, you know, she scores two goals in that game. I, I, I mentioned her in the, in Australia's opening game against Ireland, how impactful she was and how much I enjoyed her matchup with McCabe. And every single game, she just continues to impress me more and more. And she's a player for me that's a star player that no team can leave unmarked or give her time on the ball. And unfortunately, Canada made that mistake today and she capitalized on two opportunities. And a lot of, I think a lot of lessons learned for Canada and Mm -hmm. for Australia, a massive win that they now... They now need to kind of digest, celebrate, and then now figure out how they're going to progress now into the round of 16 and continue this in front of their home fans. Absolutely.
0: And, I mean, Australia did this all without their star striker Sam Kerr as well. So major kudos to them. Who knows really what Sam's... Uh, is like going into the knockouts I know she was fit to play today albeit with a little bit of question marks so we'll we'll see what happens but this Australian team really does deserve a lot of credit um, for sure but haley Rasso she is so clinical she's so hungry and I just loved how confident this Australian team looked out there I mean they were on home soil of course but they really did look at home and I think something to note as well is, you know, Rasso's history. She, I obviously love her being a Manchester City ex-player. I was very sad when she moved to Real Madrid, but only a few years ago, she was in the hospital, fractured three vertebrae, and was told she genuinely might never walk again. But here she is in front of her family, her friends, her fans, scoring a brace. What an amazing moment for her. Agreed with you about lots of lessons to learn for Canada, but... I think our Canadian girls, they're they are hungry too. They want to go out there. They're going to know they have things to work on. So I'm not worried at all.
2: What's one thing in the game for Canada, Julia, that you think they struggled with or that you'd like to see them improve on with their games coming up in September?
0: Mm-hmm. That's a great question. I think there's there's a few different things. First of all, I just want to see them bring back their usual confidence. Didn't really see that as much as I would have liked this tournament. So I think going in there with the confidence on the ball uh, would be fabulous. But like we've talked about a little bit, Caroline, on our podcasts is this idea of having a playmaking midfield. I think would be fabulous. So, again, getting the ball more to players like Julia Grosso, Jesse Fleming. I think they were really hurting on transition to attack and then actually being clinical in the final third of the pitch. So I would love to see a little bit more work on that, maybe a little bit more work with set plays. But I think resetting, focusing on how they're going to get the ball in the net, quite honestly.
2: Yeah, I agree. That's what I was speaking to uh, Andy Petrillo about this morning was – as a former midfielder, I'm always looking at the midfield. And I think that Jesse Fleming is one of the best in the world at what she does. And I think that we didn't utilize Jesse Fleming nearly enough today, getting the ball to Julia Grosso to connect with that top line, threading that needle, breaking up Australia's back line. It wasn't done nearly enough. And again, I, I really hit home on this against Ireland, especially in the first half. I don't like direct football. I think sometimes mm-hmm. it's necessary. Sometimes that's the game plan. But when that's the way that the majority of your passes are going, just over the top with no intent, no... direct contact with the player, it's not going to work. And I feel like Canada wasted a lot of passes today. When you have a Jesse Fleming and a Julia Grosso, at least in the first half, that are able to be nifty and crafty and have such a high football IQ, Mm -hmm. we didn't utilize our midfield nearly enough today. And when we had the ball, it was too direct and a lot of giveaways and it was messy. And unfortunately for me – the midfield battle needed to be a little bit better and that's not all on the midfielders I'm saying that we have the tools we have these very very good players but if we're not using the tools properly we're not we're basically eliminating these dangerous opportunities that we could get mm-hmm. in that I also think that we need to be creating way more chances from distance you know I want to say it, it we didn't really get many shots on target from distance. I think Canada finished the game with three shots on target. Mm-hmm. I said after the Ireland game, you know, uh, Jordan Heidema had a couple chances on that, and I wanted to continue to see her doing that. So, and that's not all on Jordan Heidema. That's Uh, 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 something that any player on the pitch can do but there just wasn't enough dangerous opportunities for Canada I think that that can be fixed but Bev Priestman needs to go back to the drawing board and find a way to make Jesse Fleming our quarterback of this Canadian team one of the best midfielders in the world see more of the ball because when she has the ball she can make dangerous things happen and link with players like Julia Grosso to connect through that back line and create more opportunities for Canada so that's how I feel I'm really looking forward to see how they how they're able to kind of progress on that in September, and like I said, these things happen. I mean, I'm not I'm not sitting here, and and I, I feel bad that Sophie Schmidt said that at the end of the game because I'm not sitting here. Uh, thinking that Canada let me down. Mm-hmm. Of course, was it a disappointing performance? Sure, but we, we can say that as football fans across our entire lifetime with our favorite teams, right? Like we've all mm-hmm. had disappointing performances of, of our favorite teams, but by no means do I think I've been let down by Team Canada and I'm always rooting for these women and I do think that they have the ability to to grow from this experience and sometimes you need that. Sometimes mm-hmm. you need that and, and mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what they do in September
0: exactly and i think a lot of these canadian fans around the world maybe it's important to show support for this team to tweet something instagram send a letter i don't know i send letters i'm still an old school girl but sophie she must just be heartbroken that was her last match ever in a canadian shirt um but it's such a good point to say we've all experienced the wins the losses the ups the downs with the sport that's all part of it but What makes this Canadian community so strong is that we all stick together. And I think that's so beautiful. But moving forward as well to Canada, I noticed they had just slightly more possession than Australia, if I have that stat correct. Um, But I think it's this idea, Caroline, you're mentioning about, you know, possession, you have the ball, but what do you actually do with that possession, Mm -hmm. that possession? doesn't mean anything if you're soaring balls in without a purpose if you're not sure what your play is going to be if you don't have the vision to move it forward i agree i think those are things that can absolutely 100 be worked on and can be fixed and i'm really excited to see them come out later in the year and just bring it to bring it to town you
2: know do you think christine sinclair retires or do you think we still have some canadian games left in her
0: I think we'll have her for the Olympics. I'm going to call it that we'll have her for the Paris 2024 Olympics, and maybe she'll retire after that. I I think she'll want a little bit more of a redemption arc, <laughs> to be quite honest. I don't think she's quite done yet, but we'll see. Who knows with her? A lot of people thought she might have retired, I guess, earlier than what she has, but... I think she did still have some great moments this World Cup. And I would have loved her to score a goal in her sixth, of course. But fortunately, it wasn't meant to be. But I I think she'll have a little bit left in the tank for sure.
2: Well, listen, I think whether she's on the pitch or off the pitch, if she's coming off the bench onto the pitch, she is super valuable to this Canadian team. A legend, not only within women's football, but football overall. Highest international goal scorer. That's a that's a record above Messi and Ronaldo, for those who don't know. And she just brings so much to this game and so much to this team. She's just, her experience and, and everything she's done for the sport, I love to see her within this program. And it'll be a very, very sad day when she retires from international football. On the flip side, I do think Bev Priestman needs to start Identifying what this team looks like with the potential of Christine Sinclair retiring because that's obviously going to happen in in a, I don't know when, but at some point it will Mm -hmm. because Sinclair's, I don't know if she's approaching 40 years old or if she is 40 years old, but that's a reality that Canada will have to face. So what does this team look like? What does their identity look like without Mm -hmm. Sinclair? And who's that player who steps up? Who are the few young players who step up? And who are those players that are our go-to players that when, you know, we're, we're down 2-0 at halftime to Australia, that they are the spark to this team because we lack that today as a Canadian program. There was no spark. There was no leader on the field at some point. And I think that's kind of where it went downhill for Canada. So I would hate to see Christine Sinclair retire. She's an icon in this country. She's an icon in football. But the reality is at some point she will retire. So what does this identity look like for Canada when that day comes? Yeah, this team certainly
0: does need to evolve. Of course, losing Schmidt, that was huge. She came on and was big in the mm-hmm. Ireland game. So that's that was the spark gone. Of course, she, you know, didn't make it happen today, unfortunately, but it is what it is. And it's this question again of like you said, who are these young players stepping up? Who is gonna start? I love that Jesse Fleming's gonna get the armband. I think she'll do a fabulous job as captain moving forward. But when it comes to the other players, I know we're on the Julia Grosso bandwagon. I love her. I think she'll be great. But it was also really nice to see Olivia Smith come in there today. She's very young. She will be huge for the future. Just signed with Sporting. So that's no feat for an 18-year-old, you know. That's pretty amazing. But who are some of maybe your top picks, Caroline? I know we've talked about Julia Grosso. I would love to see Jordan Heidem get some goals in there. But who do you think is going to step up?
2: I, I I said this again this morning I'd love to see Jale- uh, Shalina Zadorsky back on the field I think she's mm-hmm. a natural leader I can't wait to see her back I, again I'm not sure if she didn't come on at this World Cup as much as she usually does because of that, il- th- that illness mm-hmm. she faced mm-hmm. earlier in the year um, but I'd love to see her get some minutes because she's such a natural born leader in my opinion and I just I want Jessie Fleming to shine because her role mm-hmm. is so important to this team I think Janine Becky when she's back Mm -hmm. absolutely has that potential. I think we really missed her. And Adriana Leone, I think that Adriana Leone and then Jordan Heidemann on the other side, these are two players that are very powerful, very crafty. Uh, We need to see them now kind of in their element and execute on the skill level that they have. So I'd, again, this is a job for Bev Priestman to now, the point of the managers to bring out the best of every single player on the pitch, every single bench player, every player coming onto the pitch, and, and what is the best position for them? What is the best tactic for them to excel at? So Bev mm-hmm. Priestman has you know, some work to do in the sense that the, there, are, there are some really, really talented players on this roster. How do we now have, we have the tools? How do we use the tools effectively to win these big games?
0: Yeah, that's a great answer, honestly. And I love what you mentioned about Janine Becky too. I think we really miss Janine. I yeah. love I love speaking with her and, you know, players like Desiree Scott as well. You can totally see their influence on the pitch for sure. But even in in other facets, Janine, I find is somebody who really knows how to go in there and just lift people up, lift the spirits up. And I think that was also something that was hurting today. In addition to, of course, some of her excellent abilities to cross the ball in and all that good stuff. But it'll be interesting once some of these players are back. But at the end of the day, ACL is no small joke. You know, when Janine comes back from that injury, will she be the same player? Obviously, I hope so. But you can't guarantee that either. You can't bank on her coming back, being the exact same. It might take her a little bit of time to even get back into the groove. So I think, like you mentioned, it's about figuring out the best positions for people without banking on some of these players we have in the past like Sinclair even Becky so we'll see what happens
2: yeah a sad day for Canadian football fans because we would love to see this Canadian team make waves at this World Cup just like we saw them make at the last Olympic Games when they won gold but these things happen I'm going to reiterate that one more time you know in men's and women's football some of the best teams in the world don't get out of the group stage it's very unfortunate for Canada I'm sure they're having a hard time digesting this this scenario but at the same time you know a couple international games coming up here in the fall and it's time to rebound it's time to bounce back it's time for that wake-up call shake it off and get back to business so I'm gonna say as a Canadian I don't feel let down I I'm always always cheering these women on and an unfortunate game not their best performance Mm -hmm. you can say disappointing but the life goes on that's football
0: exactly and I mean again I just have such this is feeling of, I guess, joy being a woman in sport and seeing them up on the world stage doing their best, fighting for equality, fighting to be the best people and players they can be. And I think they probably got a little bit of unfair social media, to be honest. It was pretty depressing logging on to Twitter or I guess X now, I'm not even sure what it's called. (laughs) But, you know, and seeing just so many, I think it was people's emotions maybe playing into things. But... I think a lot of things were forgotten today, that they still went out there, they did their best, they represented on the world stage, that's really hard to do, against a strong team at home, and all the fans were rooting for Australia, you know, and I just think they were maybe a little bit unfairly attacked, but that's the name of the social game.
2: Yeah, it is. And just before we we move on to our next topic, I want to give a massive shout out to Australia because they're making a lot of World Cup history for their women's program. And I love to see it. They have a lot of talented players on their roster. Catley finishing off a a second penalty of the World Cup. It's not an easy thing to do. You know, just a lot of leadership on that team, a lot of heart. And they improved on that second um, World Cup group stage game that they had for them to just kind of come out against Canada today and handle their business you have to give them massive massive respect and in my opinion today the better team won and that's the name of the game it happens so yeah Canada out of the World Cup Australia moving on we'll see what they do next but let's talk a little bit about Japan versus Spain and we these are two big big teams at the World Cup we talk about how dominant Spain was against Costa Rica and now we have Japan who we spoke about you know being this very clinical team with their passing and how quick they are mentally and and how quick they are in transition and just how much chemistry they have as a team. Tell me how they beat Spain today. 4-0. That is a big Mm -hmm. whooping for Spain. A team that is very, very good. And I'm sure a team that's probably also like Canada scratching their head right now being like... Uh, What just happened? And who is this team that just came in and scored four incredible goals? If you guys haven't seen them, go watch the highlights. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow, amazing. And I mean, before we started this podcast, Caroline and, uh, Caroline and I were actually chatting about getting up super early for this Women's World Cup. We're in different time zones. So I got up at 3 a.m., just like Caroline did, to watch the Spain versus Japan game. And it delivered. I am so glad I did because... This team is a joy to watch. They go out there. They are, I love their patience. I love their precision. They know exactly where their teammates are. They have a game plan and they execute it to a T. Now Spain, have to give credit to Spain. They're a fabulous team. However, Japan went out there today and essentially eliminated all of their gaps, eliminated every single one of their scoring options. It was unbelievable. I have never seen that kind of domination against such a strong top team like Spain in a very long time. It was very, very special. And I want to note as well, Japan had 32% possession the whole Mm -hmm.
2: game. And they won 4-0. Just their ability. Oh my gosh. That so just is a testament it's a testament to their transition play and how yeah. clinical they are in transition when they see an opportunity to attack on transition. Again, how quick they are with their feet but how quick they are mentally to see mm-hmm. the lanes and play those balls. They're passing into those lanes in transition is world class. I just made a video on our social social channels on the 90th minute saying that This is a team that could win the World Cup. Right now, my two favorite teams to watch are Japan and Colombia. We'll get into Colombia in a moment. A team that I completely underestimated. And Japan to me is just... You want to write in all caps clinical, Cl- yeah. more clinical than Germany, more clinical than Brazil, more definitely more clinical than what we've seen from the U.S. This is a team that I would be very scared to play against because you know you're going against a very fast, smart team, both in terms of their skill level and mentally. And they don't miss those goals today. Again, they, right. the goals that they were scoring, the opportunities they were taking, it, it was just bottom line, world class. It was totally world class. And I just want to mention for, you know, people maybe didn't watch the game.
0: Three goals, three shots on net. Yeah. Yeah. What? Pretty crazy against Spain. That's basically impossible. So, yeah, they're one of my favorites. Absolutely. Moving forward into this tournament, I think they can take on genuinely every single team here. And like you mentioned, if I was taking on uh, Japan as my opponent, I would be very nervous because I wouldn't know what to do against them, quite honestly. Yep. They, and there also, I know this happened, this was a storyline for the Men's World Cup too, about how Japan left their team rooms and how grateful and gracious they were to every single host. The Japanese women's team are the exact same right after they bowed to their fans. Mm-hmm. And I just think they're all around class in all aspects of the game. And it's very cool.
2: Yeah, the respect that they have. I, I agree with you, Julia. It's it's beautiful to see and again, the respect and chemistry that they have as a team, they're genuinely happy for each other. There's no competition within the team. They, no. All they want to do is win and score goals and play beautiful football, which is what they're doing. And uh, they've now won all three games in their groups, uh, in the group mm-hmm. stage. They've topped group C. They've scored 11 goals and they haven't conceded a single one. Like, crazy. this is crazy. You know, mm-hmm. the one thing I'll say about what Japan and, and when teams do this is they have to find a way to keep this extremely consistent and to get better and better each game, which may not be a difficult task for Japan. They just have to stay consistent in their game and what they do best. But that's where, you know, some other teams, like we'll get into France in a minute too, you know, they were able to build from their opening game against Jamaica and then beat Brazil. So, you know, just Japan need to stay, to stick to what they're doing, but I'm not worried about Mm -hmm. it. I really think that they're going to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. And Miyazawa, Miyazawa leads the golden boot race with four goals. This is a team, yeah. Like when you hear that they're scoring 11 goals and then they haven't conceded any, you start thinking, is there any weakness to this Japanese team? And they have just really, really mastered their game plan and what they're good at. And that's a scary thing for oppositions. It's a very scary thing for oppositions. And I just think some of these stats, these storylines from this
0: Japanese team too, I think most people, sure, there's a bias, of course, they're going into this tournament thinking of the heavy hitters in the media. You know, you're talking about USA, Brazil, Germany. Why is nobody talking about Japan? It felt very, very silent. And it makes me feel very happy that they're starting to get this recognition because, They deserve to be watched and seen, and I can't wait to see them. I think they take on Norway in the round of 16, so I can't wait to watch that game.
2: Yeah, it'll be good. Well, I'm excited. And like I said, Japan and Colombia, probably my two favorite teams to wa- to watch right now at this World Cup. We'll move on to Colombia and their massive upset Ooh. over Germany. Uh, love to see it. I think we said this on one of our episodes, Julia, that we both underestimated Colombia. Maybe it's mm-hmm. because we haven't really had much of an opportunity to watch them play. But here we are watching them just excel at this World Cup, have so much fun. The fans that showed up in that Germany game, like what a beautiful... Beautiful thing to see. I definitely think that that was a 12th man for them. But we Mm -hmm. talked about Linda Caicedo and what she's doing as an 18 year old. She scored the first goal of that game. Uh, She's now, uh, she scores in her first two appearances of the Women's World Cup, and she's now the youngest player to ever score in her first two World Cup matches. She's 18 years old. And guys, again, if you haven't seen this goal from Linda Caicedo at the World Cup against Germany, please go watch it because the patience and skill level you have to have and the confidence as an 18 year old to do what she did in the box and then execute a shot that she like the, like the one that she had that ended up being a goal is just 10 out of 10. What mm-hmm. a phenomenal footballer. Again, we spoke about her journey on our last episode of kicked back. What an incredible human being. And I just can't wait to continue watching her soar. Cause that's what she's doing right now. She's just killing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, she, like you
0: said, Caroline, she's soaring and she's only going to be flying higher from here. Honestly, honestly, I feel so privileged to be able to watch her sometimes. I'm like, what was I even doing at age 18? And here she is yeah. changing the world. And, you know, I think it's so important to mention, though, Germany going into this. I know rankings might not mean anything, but Germany was ranked second. Colombia's ranked 25th. I don't think many people had Colombia on their bed cards, to be honest. So, like, maybe some of the hot shots. But, of, of course, people were
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today.
0: So I think it's so cool that they were able to go into this match and not care that people were expecting the other team to win. Go out there, execute their game plan play with energy, play with confidence, play with precision, because Germany is also a very strong team. And I remember watching the game, checking the score, being like, oh, my gosh, Like I have a Colombian friend who was messaging me. And he's like, Julia, I told you this Colombian team is great. They're going places. And I just replied and I said, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I doubted you because I think I was definitely one of those people that underestimated this
2: team as well. Well, it's so funny because some of my followers too said like, I told you, you underestimated Colombia, and absolutely. I'm always open to being wrong and I'm always yeah. open to learning more. Right. And I, it's not even that it, it wasn't even like, Oh, I thought Colombia was a bad team. I just haven't had the opportunity to exactly. watch them play. Right. Meanwhile, now I'm sitting back and I'm just enjoying this show that they're putting on, you know, mm-hmm. them scoring the game winning goal in the 96th minute. What a powerful yeah. header, you know, yeah. just what a moment for Colombia. You saw what it meant for the players. You saw what it meant for their fans. You saw how they celebrated, with their fans, Mm -hmm. I love every minute that Colombia and Japan are giving us. And I'm really rooting for these two nations, because like you said, we may not be talking about a USA, a Germany, a France, a Brazil, but these countries that are making a name for themselves at this World Cup... It's what it's what excites me and they deserve to be talked about, especially with the storylines they're giving us. I mean, come on two one against Germany, a German team that just beat Morocco six nil. And Julia, you and I were talking about how clinical this German team was. And now they come out against Colombia, two shots on target. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they had 14 shots in general, but just not capitalizing on that, not as clinical as they were they were against Morocco. And it bit them in the butt because this Colombian team, four shots on target, two goals. They handled their business like champions. And I can't wait to see what they, they continue to do because they're a team again with Japan that I wouldn't want to play against. Totally. This German team to me, night and day, first match to second
0: match. So it's, oh my gosh, I wasn't expecting this Germany team to have, I guess, that little bit of... Inconsistency, but it also just get, brings me a lot of joy. This is what the Women's World Cup is about mm-hmm. to see these teams like Colombia, like Japan, some of the other teams who had, you know, great. I guess, runs like Zambia as well, of course, getting eliminated, but getting their first Women's World Cup goal and win today. I love those kinds of storylines. Nigeria, of course, not Canada, unfortunately, but moving through to the next round, that's huge for them. Um, So again, this is what it's all about. Seeing these different teams, respecting other nations, respecting other cultures, seeing these fabulous players now I, again, haven't really seen much of Colombia, but you bet your bottom dollar I'm going <laughs> to be watching some of these Colombian players in the future. For sure.
2: And now just thinking about how exciting these group stages ha- have been and just um, almost how unexpected some of these results have been, the round of 16 where you know you're one and done and your football, you know, life at this World Cup is on the line. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, I think, even more epic. I think we're about to get some really yeah. cool results, really good moments, and I'm excited to see, yeah, what Colombia delivers because you know they're delivering something.
0: They are certainly cooking up something. Thing amazing for all of us they've already have honestly so i think as long as they go out they continue to play their game they've made so many people proud already and they need to walk away with that just like so many other teams in this tournament but i can't believe we're already getting to the round of 16 it feels like the days are flying by it's now day 12 of the women's world cup what has your favorite storyline been so far caroline
2: I would have to say Colombia. I would have be just, okay, so with Japan, I rated Japan. I had Japan coming out of the group. I said either Spain or Japan, go one or two, you know, whatever. However that works out, it works out. Mm-hmm. I knew Japan was going to be, I didn't think they were going to be this good, but I knew they were going to be really good. Colombia for me has been the storyline of the World Cup right now. I didn't rate them. I underestimated them again because I haven't been able to watch them. And just having this heartfelt storyline around Linda Caicedo and what she's been through and how young she is and how she's played in three World Cups this year in a single year. She's yeah. played at the U-17 World Cup, the U-20 World Cup, the Senior Women's World Cup right now. She's scored two goals in her two, in her first two World Cup appearances. I mean, it, to me, it's just the, the whole – the, the storyline – from a team perspective, the storyline from an 18-year-old young woman's perspective—it sold. I'm sold on it, and and I I feel like I'm going to really cheer hard for Colombia. And then what we spoke to Julia maybe a few episodes ago. I love the narrative and the storylines of these underdogs having big moments or you know surprising everyone. And mm-hmm. we got that. We got that at this World Cup, and I can and I hope to continue to see it. For sure.
0: I I think it's only going to continue. Absolutely. I just have this feeling that this Women's World Cup is such a trailblazing moment for the sport, for women in sport. And I just think the energy is going to continue.
2: I hope so. How about you? What's been your favorite moment?
0: Gosh, definitely what you mentioned as well. But I think maybe a little bit more off the pitch, but just the exposure that women's football is getting to me. It's just what's bringing so much passion and excitement to my days. To see the amount of people tweeting about it, posting on TikTok, all of the stories in the newspapers, like I'm a writer too, so like I see a lot of these stories that we did not see four years ago. And to me, I just think seeing the progression, seeing some of these rising stars, some of the rising teams, the underdogs, like you mentioned, Caroline, is so special. Yeah. And it gives me so much hope for women's football in in the future. Yeah.
2: You and I both. Uh, okay. Let's move on to our last topic of today. France versus Brazil. Mm -hmm. Right now I'm looking at group F. So France is at the top of group F Jamaica second and Brazil is sitting in third. So at this moment in time, Brazil's kind of in a very tricky situation where in one of our last episodes, we were saying, you know, how unbelievably well they played. They had the we, – we called it the build-up goal of the tournament. Um, and here they are against France, a team like France had, had to rebound after their game against Jamaica where they tied them nil-nil. And we were like, okay, coach – Renard's not worried about it. He's been here with the men's programs at the World Cup on the biggest stage. He knows what to do with the women's. But should we be worried about France? Because they should have probably won that game. Well, now I'm looking at this and I'm like, well, Renard knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And he's got a good grip on his team. And I love to see that because you know that he handled the media the right way, saying we're not worried. These things happen. He probably calmed the nerves of his entire team, which is his role as a manager. And they went out against Brazil and they found a way to win. And that what a win that was, 2-1 against amazing. one of the best footballing nations in the world. Uh, you know, the amazing captain, Renard, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, Wendy Renard ends up, you know, getting getting the goal and game winning goal and a beautiful picture for France. And I think what's impressive from that is just how they rebounded from that initial game into a game where they're taking on a very tough team in Brazil.
0: Yeah, that's what actually, shout out to my brother, uh, but that's what he always says a lot is he follows this game very, very closely. He always says what separates the good teams from the champions is how they're able to rebound and how they're able yep. to get the job done when it's, you know, needed. And of course, my brother and I are Manchester City fans, shameless plug, but that's what makes them champions too, is because they, they get it done when when needed, but I think I was one of those people again after the Brazil first game for them. I was loving that. We had a great chat about that game. I thought Brazil might have took this one over France going into the match. Um, But pleasantly surprised. They look like champions out there, France. They came back. I think, yeah, their manager, Renard, he knows exactly what to say to prevent media frenzy, to keep his team cool, calm, collected, confident going out there fighting to the very end they did not give up once they were aggressive I think Wendy said that in the post-game presser too how she was just fired up and was like this is the France sort of mentality you go in there we don't give up we're here for a reason we're not gonna leave without a law uh, you know we're not gonna leave without a win sorry so they did that and that's what's gonna make them go far
2: Yeah. And kudos to your brother. I completely agree with him. It's tough to be consistently fantastic at these tournaments to build on those performances, but it's also very tough to rebound after a performance that wasn't so great because there is now that pressure of this is a must win, especially when it's a must win against Brazil. So full credit to this French team. Bernard, I think, again, I was so impressed with him at the Men's World Cup with what Mm -hmm. he did against with Saudi Arabia against Argentina. And then you hear about this halftime speech that he gave the team and how, you know, he had a translator speech For him Again, if you haven't seen that, go watch it on YouTube. I think it's a great clip, but just to show, you know, the skills he has as a manager, and I'm sure he brought something similar to this French national team because the emotion that all of them showed after that game, including Renard, I thought was fantastic. And these women really probably listened to what he said. And I I rate this French women's team very high. I have them going very far in this tournament. I think that they also are a strong contender to win this World Cup. So I think that they were – with the ability that they had to maybe listen to what Renard had to say, regroup, rebuild, mm-hmm. come out, get a massive three points is such a testament to this team, their character, their ability, their talent. And, I'm again, this is another team. We keep saying this with every team. I'm This is another team where I'm very excited to see how they do and how they mm-hmm. perform. And this is where this World Cup to me is crazy because yeah. it could go – any direction julia i mean we could be sitting here at the very end of this tournament and being like whoa we thought one team was gonna (laughs) go all the way and here we are talking about a completely different team in a completely different direction i think it's just so awesome to watch
0: It's so cool. I was on a Sportsnet radio before I'm hopped on this podcast here and they asked me, they're like, who's going to win the World Cup? And I honestly point blank was like, I cannot tell you that because I don't, I would love to be able to predict that, but if there's anything this World Cup has taught us is that we can't predict a single thing. So I and I think that's what makes it really exciting um, for sure. But yeah, again, this France team coming in against a very, very strong Brazil team. We have to mention how strong this Brazilian team is and getting the job done so they know, OK, they're down. No mm-hmm. problem. They can refocus, regroup still get the job done so i would not count this france team out even if they concede a goal in their next game you know yep. or they score they're they're gonna get it done and i just think it's also super cool to see how the team is so connected and respect their manager um a lot and they, they trust him and i think yep. that's special and that that commitment that teamwork is going to get them far too
2: Love that. So we'll finish this episode just kind of giving everyone a breakdown of what we've got going on tomorrow. So 1 a.m. my time, 3 a.m. Eastern time. We've got Portugal versus the U.S., China versus England at 5 a.m. Mountain time, 7 a.m. Eastern time, and Haiti and Denmark at 7 a.m. Eastern time. So lots of great matches. England's obviously leading group F group D group D England yep. leads group D. So a big match for them. Hopefully they can maintain their yeah. status for Julia. Cause she's a big, big fan and mm-hmm. the U S you know what? I'm Portugal. is a a sneaky team and and I wouldn't underestimate Portugal and I haven't been overly impressed with the U.S. I have yet to see them Mm -hmm. be extremely dominant and play like they used to play so uh, I'm very very curious to see how that game goes and I think the U.S. needs a big big performance nonetheless They're leading group E so sometimes it's not going to be pretty it's just a matter of getting out of the group but I'm very curious to see how that matchup goes. Mm -hmm. I think that matchup's
0: going to be very, very interesting. I personally think Portugal's going to come out with a lot more confidence than what people might think. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if a lot of people, knowing the United States, have been very successful at the Women's World Cup, if maybe that's... A hindrance to them, in a sense, is that too much pressure. Is this the year where they're rebuilding their team? They have a lot of young players. I don't know. I just think Portugal is going to come in and they
2: have nothing to lose, right? Well, so yeah, it's a great point. And I think we spoke about this on on our podcast presented by Betway that the U.S. Came in here reigning champs. They want a three-peat. The commercial they came out with prior to the World Cup was very controversial in the sense that some people loved it because they're like, "Yeah, like we're the U.S. program, we're the most decorated program in women's football." Or you know, the people saying like, "We don't fear the U.S. Like, why are they so cocky?" You know what I mean? Like that mm-hmm. that commercial gave off, "We're the top contender contenders, and everyone fears us." So mm-hmm. it was a very <laughs> controversial commercial, but I'm curious to see if the U.S. can kind of now improve. Maybe, yeah, like you said, a very young team, they need to kind of get their footing in the World mm-hmm. Cup. They have some very, very talented players on their team. We'll see what they can do, but I'm curious about that. Mm-hmm. We'll see depending on and how far they go in the tournament. Was pressure a problem for this U.S. team? And mm-hmm. did they kind of shoot themselves in the foot in the sense that why, was that commercial necessary for maybe even like the mental – strength of the U.S. women's national team, because you know that that adds a lot of pressure on them. So we'll talk all about that depending on what happens, but it is an interesting conversation to have.
0: It's a very interesting conversation. And I think we touched on this a little bit earlier too, but, you know, Netflix released that there, I think it was Netflix, but that they're following the United States, they're filming them in their hopeful three-peat. And everyone was like, what if they lose? Like they have this whole documentary series now about them going to the three-peat and what happens if they lose so and you
2: have to imagine that that that's also pretty stressful where you have cameras yeah following yes. you around all the, that's a pressure in itself so I'm very Julia I swear if 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 let's say the U.S. have this crazy exit out of the World Cup this has to be a a dedicated episode because yeah that has to weigh on players that absolutely has to weigh on players
0: it's totally a thing but yeah very excited to watch England as well too now that Canada's out I'm hoping England makes something happen but we'll see they have their slew of issues just like every team to work out yeah. so we'll see but we've got some great games tomorrow. Netherlands at
2: Vietnam as well. Yeah, so lots of action. Amazing. This has been Kicked Back, presented by Betway. Julia Rainey, Caroline Salami here with you and we'll be back, I'm sure... At some point in this week with some more updates, some more recaps, some more opinions on everything that's going on. And of course, please always let us know what you think on Twitter or yeah, like Julia said, X, I'm not used to calling it X, but you guys let us know what you think. And yeah, we'll be back soon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching.